Welcome to episode 226 of Destination Linux. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the podcast for you. My name is Michael, and with me today are Jill, Noah, and Ryan. And on this week's episode of DL, we've got a special guest joining us for an interview. Massimo Stella of Caden Live will be joining us to talk about this great open source video editor. Then we'll take a look at the Linux kernel 5.13 that is going to be released pretty soon and discuss some of the major ARM news that is going on with the kernel. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks, all this and so much more coming up right now on Destination Linux. In our community feedback this, we're going to be heading to our forum. Go to dlnforum.com and you can join there and participate on the conversations yourself. And this was a very interesting thread that was posted. It's talking about the, like, the Flash is dead, for example. And they say, what else would you end of life if you could? What are your top uh, computer technologies that you wish would just go away already? So this is a really funny concept. And we wanted to talk about this because, well, we just had to bring it to the show to mention what we think would be things that we'd want to get rid of. But uh, first of all, the, the people in the thread mentioned a lot of good stuff, like, for example, USB Type-A. Uh, that's, uh, that's something that should go away for sure. Uh, social media websites like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, there's a very good argument for why those things should go away. And also, interestingly, uh, cryptocurrencies because of the environmental impact. And the biggest reason is the GPU shortages. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough. Very good. Good points. So what are some technologies that, that we would like to get rid of? So let's start off with Jill. What do you think is something that we should get rid of? Well, one of the major things is UEFI. Like mm -hmm. the technology, but I'd rather have the open source core boot, Libra boot, or U-boot firmware instead. Definitely. And, oh, yeah, and more sure. and more yeah, more manufacturers are starting to use open source with that thing, thankfully. Do you think we'll ever see that outside of the Linux community? Is it something where the technology mm. is or is it is it just going to be manufacturers like System76 and Purism and those folks who are going to implement that? I mean, is there a drive there? Because I've never really looked at the differences to see yeah. is we know it's superior from a privacy standpoint, but would Windows ever go away from it? For instance, uh, probably yeah. not, because they. Probably I think not, they yeah. had a. They had <laughs> Windows had a, a something to do with like the development of UEFI. I don't know exactly how the, how they were involved, but the like Secure Boot is something that they are mm -hmm. essentially like oh, required. Like they're necessary for Secure Boot and in being involved. And uh, one of the other big things that just annoys me and has for many many years of using Linux. The Windows keys or keys on keyboards. Sometimes yeah. there's two of them. Such a good one. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so, you know, don't manufacturers don't assume we all use Windows. And it would be nice just to have a generic super super key would be nice. And, you know, I, of course, always put Penguin or tech stickers um, on mine. I always have those handy for every yeah. new keyboard. <laughs> and also, like it's, a, it's a good that's a good one because uh, <laughs> it made me think about, like, why do these companies not put their own logo there? Like it's not like yeah, it needs to be the Windows key. Great branding anyway. opportunity, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. There's there's plenty of options. They could just put any logo they want, or just some generic, like you're saying. But like their own logo would just it would make sense. Yeah. And they all they take so much opportunity to <laughs> brand it in the weirdest places, and that's like the best you could just just do it that way. Yeah, and and my other one I put down was USB Type A. I love the technology, but dislike the duckbill form factor. Come on, <laughs> you, you don't like to having to keep turn it. Yeah, 
there was, it. There was yeah. a fantastic <laughs> comment on the thread, on the forum thread about this. It was like, well, when you try to pull it in, it doesn't fit. So you turn it 180 degrees and it doesn't fit. So you turn it 180 degrees again and now it fits. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I've done that so many times where yes. I'm like turning it. No, come on. What's the magic here? And yeah. then suddenly so, it goes in. Someone yeah. also, someone posted another uh, response to that explaining why this happens. It's that it's in a quantum state and until you observe it, oh. it's in a superposition. So you have to look at it and then go, oh, okay, now it's going to go in. I'm actually stealing yeah. that because you know when people are like, oh, Ryan, you're the tech expert. Can you come here and plug this in? And then you can't get it to go in the USB port. <laughs> like, oh, it's in the quantum state. Just give it a second. Yeah, it there is. we go. There we go. <laughs> So speaking of which, Ryan, what are things that you would be, uh, you know, want to get rid of? What are you sick of? You know, I'm thinking here to kind of go technology trends to kill off like non-repairable thinner phones. You know, I remember the day Mm -hmm. back in my day, we used to be able to pull a battery out of a phone and then put a new battery in and things were fine. Yeah. And laptops would be able to replace the battery and you could replace the RAM and even upgrade them and upgrade the storage inside of it and repair the fans if they went bad. And there, I know this is weird to a lot of you listening today, but this was kind of the expectation. And if you didn't have that, we really didn't want your products, but somehow we've been sold on this idea that thinner, 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 thinner is the way to go. And that's the only way forward. And I think the only people who actually like the thinner stuff, because every person I talk to is like, the phone's getting so thin at this point that it's slipping through my hands and falling constantly. Uh, I don't I don't get it. Yep, uh, I wish th- that technology trend would die. I agree. And it's funny because there's even some, uh, like, uh, I, I was watching this, this video talking about, like, what ha- why do these devices start bending? It's because they're, they're obsessed with this thinness and they're making compensations and the whole... The whole reason they're even bending is because of that weird obsession that really mm-hmm. no one wants. Like there, there is a level of where thinness is too thin, and we've I think we've hit that on multiple mm-hmm. occasions. Yeah, we really have, and it doesn't drive anything but uh, heat issues. And of course, when these phones break now, it's impossible to fix them. Uh, even when batteries were first integrated inside and you had to pull off the screen with some suction cups and things to get to them, it was obnoxious, but it could be done by somebody who knew what they were doing. But now they're kind of covering the back and the cracks in another mm-hmm. form of glass that it, it literally makes it impossible. So all it is is just e-waste, even for the manufacturers. They'd rather just give you a new phone and throw that one in the recycling bin. Uh, it, it's really frustrating that that trend has happened. So I wish it would die. I also wish the trend of Alexa and a personal assistance inside of devices <laughs> oh, would go away. One, <laughs> I cannot stand when I want to buy a yeah. television or I want to buy headphones or whatever, where it's like includes Amazon Alexa, includes mm-hmm. Siri, includes this. I had situations where I had to get rid of, there's these Sony headphones that I really liked. And I think they had Alexa or something integrated and they had the touch uh, portion. Mm-hmm. I can't think of the brand right now, um, but a lot of people love them, but it kept calling random people from my work for the personal oh. assistant, because there was just, I would put them on, and I'd be listening. And all of a sudden someone from work would answer the phone and be like, hello, on my headphones. Like, this <laughs> this technology is, and I had to sell them because it was like, this is terrible. Like it just randomly calls people, these stupid personal assistant built in things just needs to go away. Um, televisions that sell your usage data. Vizio, I'm looking at mm-hmm. you because you're all in the news this week for this. 
Like, this is not okay either. I just want a TV and it displays pictures. That's where our transaction ends. I hand you money. You give me TV. You don't (laughs) need to take my data. Um, And and this is a trend of people wanting everything cheaper, right? Everyone wants a 75-inch TV. It's a dream or an 80-inch TV or 108-inch TV. And so they're like, well, we can bring the cost down if we just sell everybody's data um, for this. So now you can get a 75-inch TV for 999 bucks. Oh, my God, I want one. Uh, what they don't know is that Vizio is actually making, and according to the article that I read, as much money from selling your data as they do from the television now. Um, so this is a real, real concern uh, that I think needs to go away. And then USB-A, it must die with an unholy fire. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with the TV thing, especially with like the whole, yeah. some of them have microphones listening to you at yeah. any given time. Like wh- my TV does not need a microphone. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I, I had a couple things that I wanted to talk about, and I first I want to just talk about the the some of the trends like you were talking about uh, tech trends and sense of like getting rid of all of the gluing down stuff that's similar to mm-hmm. your uh, your thinness of the of the thing, but just specifically the fact that it's not repairable is just so irritating, and it's even to the point where you know some stuff some trends they are getting rid of stuff, but they shouldn't like chargers for devices. Like, why is that a thing? Like, why are we getting rid of chargers? Like, they say it's oh, to you mean help. not including the bricks? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. They're not including it when you order it. And they're yes. saying, like, it's an environment thing. You're like, what? It costs more to get the charger now. Like, it's, it's, it's you waste the, sh- the shipping. You're having to the package it separately. The charger's going to be in a separate box, yeah, separate wrapping, just, separate yeah. manual. It's the absolute the opposite of what they're claiming. It's so ridiculous. But one of the things that I do want to get rid of, because uh, I think that I understand there's some arguments to keep it, but a uh, 32-bit architecture, like software and stuff like that, to get rid of that because it, I know it's I know Noah is 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 not a is not in agreement with this because <laughs> there's a lot of people who who have the same have computers that are perfectly usable. Vintage if you can computers. give me software that runs on a 32-bit architecture, yes, <laughs> yeah, but also we should hold back all progress because of that. You don't and, have to hold uh, back. Right? I'm not saying stop making newer <laughs> stuff. I'm just saying don't take mine away. Well, the reason is the same argument applies to Flash, right? So people say, like, I don't want to lose my Flash games because, you know, but we can just emulate those things. You can run the software in a 32-bit emulator and stuff like that. You don't have to. Just get that working first before you take my thing. I I agree with that. Fair enough. But at the same time, I think that we should, you know, make the technology move forward. And I, and there might be, maybe Noah, it doesn't want this to go away either. I don't know. But I think that a, a kind of, a piece of technology that has no use uh, anymore, and I would be do happy you? to go away. Is fax machines? You? Why do those still exist? Uh, I know <laughs> fax machines. Interesting. They There's still exist. Be a good use piece for a fax machine. <laughs> yeah. We still have to go know. to FedEx to I got, fax stuff. I got mm-hmm. asked someone like, oh, "If you want to, send, do, would you like to, to send it to a fax or email?" Like, uh, what? <laughs> what email? Thank you. <laughs> you could do a commercial like the Apple commercial, but it would actually make sense when the kid turns around. What's a fax machine? Yeah, uh, that yeah. one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, interesting. So Noah, good one. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? What I think we should get rid of is the first thing is this reliance on apps, specifically this mobile centric sphere. There's certain things you can't do in life anymore unless you download the oh, industry or the one. company's good apps, good and it one. drives me nuts. And here, <laughs> it wouldn't bother me so much if it was just about getting an app. But the problem is there's an assumption there when they say an app. Really, what they mean is an app that we're going to release for one of two platforms. And 
oh, by the way, we may or may not require things like access to location and 24-7 reporting. Oh, yeah. All of those things come along with the implied idea of an app. So it starts as just, oh, what's the big deal? You have to have an app to go use that. No, no, I don't want your app on my phone. And I certainly don't want it poking around at stuff. That's, that's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is this. I'm sick of the obfuscation of technology. You know, I remember when GPS was announced and, you know, I grew up, my dad was a scientist to a degree, right? He's a physician, but science and he studies science and cares about it. And so, you know, we looked at everything and learned about things in just their raw, honest terms. And so, you know, he hands me the thing and he's like, look at this thing. The GPS is coming out there. The government's going to give access to people. They launch us in space. Isn't it fascinating? And here's how many satellites you have to get a fix on. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And we're taught, he's, you know, he's explaining it to me and we're reading and understanding and learning. And then a few years later, like five, six, seven years later, one of my friends, I get into to, to their car and he's like, yeah, it has nav. And I'm like, really, what is nav? And he's like, and he's, and I look at him like, oh, it's GPS. And he's like, no, it's nav. It just knows where you are and can tell you how to get places. And I'm like, right, it's GPS, like there's satellites and it can point the car. And then he's like, no, the car just, it's nav. And I'm like, I, <laughs> there's this obfuscation, like people don't care anymore. And, and it's fine to a degree, right? It's fine to just say, hey, you know what? I, I can only be a master of so many things. Like some things just confuse me, but we, you, I, I watch, you know, being able to walk into a place like Radio Shack and pick up capacitors and resistors and switches and learn yeah. the concepts of like things that are normally on and normally off. And, oh, if you take a nine volt and two double A's, you get the same as a 12 volt battery. And all those things are, are just things I'd walk into the store and I would go, how can I grow and learn and explore technology with these resources? My kids walk into Best Buy and they're like, how can somebody else make something to entertain me? look around like what can i buy and how can i just have something handed to me and it doesn't stimulate both parts of the brain and it's not active growing and it's not learning and exploring it's just i want to sit here and i want entertainment to be pumped into me and i I, it just i want that to die man that is mm -hmm. so powerful no that is so powerful that is very interesting i i i i agree with both of those things but i also want to just go back to the first one you said about the whole apps being required for all these sorts of stuff if you can (laughs) if you're watching the video version you'll see these lights behind me in the backdrop i uh, originally purchased some lights that i i immediately sent back because they required an app a third-party app too that also insisted on my gps to change the color of the light like why is that a thing that well, is Noah the nailed it Na- noah nailed exactly why it's a thing it's a thing because this is why when you go on to a website on your phone it says this would be better experienced with an app and the reason they want you to do that app is because the permissions they can get Metrics. on your phone by making you download <laughs> oh, yeah, that sure. app are so much more invasive <laughs> and they get so much more data on you and the app is just fine in the browser, or the, the service is just fine in the browser, by the way, but it'll still keep popping up. Hey, have you thought about trying the app? Because, man, this app mm-hmm. thing's really cool. Uh, so you think you have to have the app. It, it's yeah. a major privacy issue, really. Well, just just so everybody knows, I did send those back and got new ones. I was that so proud of require you, an app. Yeah. yeah. Yay. <laughs> well, this was an awesome conversation. And thanks to the awesome people on our forums for bringing this up and allowed us to have a very passionate and fun conversation about it. And we love hearing from our worldwide community. So you've got a couple of choices here. But the first things you have to do is you have to get your official deal-in mug. It's very, very important. Very you important. fill it with some coffee. Water bottle. Or bubbly. Nice. Bubbly is the yeah. official drink of Destination <laughs> Linux, official flavored water, no matter what Michael tells bubbly. you. Yeah, they're going to sponsor us one day. Sit down at your nearest <laughs> stool and send us an email to comments at destinationlinux.org. 
And if you want to join in the other conversation, then you join the DLN community forum by going to dlnforum.com. You post really interesting topics <laughs> like this and the community jumps in and it's a ton of fun out there. So get out there and comment to us on your stool with your DLN official mug. Nice. It's very important that you included those in the final part. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. And let's to be clear, comment while sitting on your stool. Don't comment. Never mind. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean and their new app platform. DigitalOcean's app platform service is a solution to build modern cloud na native apps. What all of this means, it means that you're a developer, you sit down, you want to write code, and you want that to become a reality. DigitalOcean translates your code into reality. That's what that app pl platform is. And by listening to the show, we give you a code, you get money for free, do.co slash DLN. That's do.co slash DLN. That gets you $100 credit. You're following me. You're getting money by going to do.co slash DLN. You can spin up a server on DigitalOcean's infrastructure, and then you can use their app platform to turn your code into reality. So do.co slash DLN, get $100. DigitalOcean thanks us. We thank them. Everybody thanks everyone. Your code becomes reality. It's all possible. Thanks to DigitalOcean. So a huge thanks to them to sponsoring Destination Linux. We've been so excited about Caden Live 2104 that we just had to bring someone from the Caden Live project onto the show to, to give us the inside scoop about the status of the project and where Caden Live is going next. So joining us on the show today is Massimo Stella, who is a senior video editor, advisor, and mm -hmm. tester for Caden Live. Massimo, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, and I'm very happy to be here to present Kadian Live because of course I'm very in love with it because even if I will not participate in the project so it's uh, it's very good to be here actually nice, thank, thank you, you. Uh, so we're curious about your your journey with Kadian Live uh, we're gonna, we'll get to Kadian Live in, in a minute but just like how did you get started with contributing to the project okay I, actually the, the 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 story is pretty long because I start to monitor to to check out what what's available on Linux to to edit videos around 2002, 2003, this year. So the probably was the only stuff that could be considered somehow professional was Cinderella, but there is a there was a bunch of problems at the time. I still have problems today. Mm -hmm. I tried to interact with uh, Erin Virtual, that was the the writer, the coder at the time. I never <laughs> come back to me. So I in the time I followed the other project at a certain point that the only the only group that are really uh, the interest that I have uh, constant feedback with me was the group of Kedin Lab. Kedin Lab was a project that probably I prefer, even if it was still uh, growing up. And so I have the opportunity to participate. Uh, and for starting from 2013, actually, I was pretty disappointed because I want to migrate to Linux completely, but I have still the problem of the video editing. So to kind of summarize, you went and you were looking for a project to contribute to. And then Kedin yeah, Lab yeah, yeah. was kind of the first group that kind of was including actively kind of open to accepting your uh, want yeah, to contribute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mostly that because actually I have some feedback, I have some interaction with other guys, but the only people that are, the only reality was really dynamic. I really want to grow and to change. It was not just a project for, the, for example, a lone person that go by himself and right. that, yeah. Was this project, there is a bunch of debate, something that was not a, still a community like today, but was was a pretty open project at the time. Was uh, not the most advanced, but was uh, dynamic. Actually, already set up in a decent way, even if it was not ready to for professionals. So uh, I was happy that was that's the project actually. Yeah, in, in oh, very cool, Massimo. So, in your opinion, why is it important that people have access to an open source video editor? 
Uh, we are, we are <laughs> in, you know, the, you know the philosophy of what we are doing. Yes. With, you know, it's like uh, freedom in in speech, not like freedom at the beer, uh, the pub. You know. <laughs> so uh, today we are in the world that is dominated by media. So uh, today, the more efficient way to communicate, what we are doing that kind of stuff, media, so communication. Is it through video and audio, etc.? So it's like to deliver a pen <laughs> to someone in the pet and papers to express himself. So I guess that uh, that it's a fundamental tool. I don't I don't believe that a person, mostly in uh, even poor area of the world, to learn how to do that as to pay a fee to some companies or have to crack a software because I guess is uh, something that has to be accessible to everybody just for a yeah. fair opportunity in terms of media so media democratization we are speaking about that so we have you know Caden live is such mm-hmm. a critical project to my own personal journey in linux because i started a youtube channel i was doing a bunch of things in windows i was doing like sql tutorials and those type of things and then i stumbled upon i was going down this road of looking at security and starting to understand the privacy issues that were happening and things like windows and people kept talking about Linux. In fact, I think the, the first suggestion to me was Tails and those type of things. But then I started looking at the videos and everybody was doing videos on Linux at the time. 99% of the videos were, hey, you can run Linux on old hardware. And I had this latest and greatest you know, stuff that had just come out. And I was like, I wonder if Linux works well in that. And I did my 30-day series. But I couldn't have done that 30-day series and passed the red face test with the audience if I didn't have a video editor to actually edit those videos in Linux to show that open source is just as viable, that you can move to this platform, you could still do your YouTube content, you can still stream gaming because of OBS, but I can edit all of that utilizing a powerful tool like Caden Live. And had it not existed, and the alternatives that are out there, frankly, are not very proficient from a professional if you're trying to do a semi-professional video YouTube channel. They just don't have the effects and the things that you need to to be successful. I would have had to go to Windows to complete the task if Mm -hmm. CadenLive didn't exist. And I just think it's really important when we think about projects like this. I would have never gone through that journey. I would have probably been like, yeah, Linux is okay if you want to write word processing and do that kind of stuff, but you're not going to make video content on it. And gaming back then wasn't great. So you're not going to game on it either. And I would have probably moved on and kept doing Windows videos. Well, because things like Caden Live existed, because things like OBS existed, the ability for me to completely switch my workflow after being decades in Windows was viable. And it's just such a critical project. And I appreciate all the work that everybody in the Caden Live team has done to make it where it is today. But this is uh, the, when you ask me about the journey, what brought, brought me to Caden Live was that the point. So I want to migrate to Linux. I have, I'm a video editor, most of a filmmaker, so I need a piece of software like that one. There is nothing around that was able to replace anything. And I say to myself, I have there is no video editor, professional video editor who participate for real. Maybe people that have small companies in Caden Live already participate. They have enough skill to propose interesting stuff. A person that have really in, in industrial skills means they work in industry, they big in, in bigger facilities like Hollywood or television, like me, were not right. present in any project of that. So the, it was very, very important that someone that have the knowledge participate to that because it was a piece of software was missing. 
I can tell you, Skinny Love is a very high level of development. But for example, when I working on the spot for very fast production of documentary news, I'm still obliged to use a professional uh, proprietary software. So I'm very close to move to switch to Kidding Live Me too for professional purpose because we are close to. But it was a long process yes. because still we miss something. So right. it's 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 very important to complete the, the task because now we are to me the leading software probably in the, in the open source. Uh, Without a doubt. Uh, yeah. But we have to complete to really be competitive because my goal is really to replace uh, the other software that you can run just on Windows or on, on Mac. I want to have all my job of being done on Linux, if possible. This is my goal. Tell me a little bit about the differences that the uh, like the developer atmosphere um, back in 2003 when Cade Cade Live first appeared. You know there was a slow on ramp as people were getting on board, and they even took a pause for development for about two years. How does it look today? Uh, how is that? How has that culture changed? Okay, I, I must say that I, I know that you watch the video presentation is in about an um, about page that I released, mm-hmm. I created uh, recently. Remember in September? So I, I was all right at the time. I go back in uh, on uh, on the internet and I check what I found, the discussion they have at the time to understand what to write to to, to tell the story about. At the time. Uh, we have this uh, Jason Wood that was most, mostly alone with some guys around. Major, majority of com- people complained that it was not possible to achieve a tie, to create a video editing by just one <laughs> coder. Right. In three testers, you need 2,000 <laughs> testers, uh, 10 coders. You're crazy what you're doing. So this kind of mentality is not <laughs> the best <laughs> to face a challenge like that one. Lucky as John Baptiste in 2005, they just knock on the door. I, me, I help <laughs> some way uh, take the legacy of the project. It was very constant in taking it in any kind of condition and bring it forward in time, mostly migrating by from one platform to another. But at a certain point, when in 2015, he decided we go professional, it really to start to create the idea of, um, of a community because we understood that we should have replacements so more than one people at times, not just a personal project. If we have a community-based project, the project will go forward even if uh, people we have problem because it can happen that someone has problem in life, so we have to move out of the project. So uh, be more people and uh, maybe you have more debate, more discussion, you lose time or someone, it's the project becomes more stable. So I guess that now today, the project is stable, has a big root, a big base, so we are proceeding faster for this reason. Mostly, I believe that we have a long future in front. Awesome. So, when you consider the proprietary offerings, you know the Final Cut Pros and those type of things. What mm-hmm. are some of the items that Caden Live can do that they can't? And then to follow up, what are some of the things that Caden Live can't yet do that they can? So, where where are the gaps basically between the two when you compare? Okay, the, 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 the most interesting thing that, uh, that the Kidding Lab has, that other software has not, is no software is around, no no way. Jo- only Kidding Lab is the fact that you can apply, can apply the, the effects on any level of the production. So you can apply effect on this asset inside the B before even to use it <laughs> up nice. to the end level. So this is what allow you, allow you to customize completely the environment. 
you work on because you can put the filter on the track, you can put the effect on the master final track, it's similar to the filler that you can find in Avid or the layer, the layer, effect layer you can find in Premiere, but it's a little bit different. But the fact that you can place the effect on the clip, on the clip, on the timeline, on the clip in the, in the beat, on the clip, on the track itself, etc., allow you to customize completely your environment. Yeah. Mostly the fact that you can put on the tracks. What we see miss is the what we have in the roadmap, for example, the nested timeline is very important. Is uh, I think that is a, a key point that will game changer, absolutely. So it was a scheduler for the uh, 2104, but uh, we decided because uh, someone uh, for the Google Summer of Code last year prepared the subtitle track, so when we have the subtitle track, I guess that uh, we, get, we decided that it was important to try to finish the task, so to make it uh, automatic subtitles and uh, uh, text-to-speech. So we, we focus on that. We found VOSC, so we integrate this module first. But uh, very important that the timeline, nesting timeline, advanced trimming tool, of course, refine and feed complete the transition, the standard transition on one track and uh, secondary color correction and probably refine and improve the multi-camera environment and that at this point except for the audio that is manageable my idea is that there is not some clear idea between uh, what is the multi-channel uh, audio and uh, surround audio it's two different stuff multi-channel mm -hmm. we use more more channel of audio to achieve depend what is your project right. surround audio is a way to use a multiple channel of audio for example so but we'll see what happens we are dynamic we are work in progress so after this uh, i guess that the way you you use the tools but the tools are all in at this point you know what i love is that mm. that question could so easily be like well we've done everything we've wanted to do so far and then that's it but i could tell by your answer how passionate you all are about finding the individual things to compare. I've actually talked to other folks who are creating video editors in Linux and asked them about the competition and they go, well, I don't use the competition, so I don't know. They don't understand the features. And to me, that's actually not a, mm -hmm. that's not a good thing. Um, I feel like you have to know what your competition is doing out there and the features that people are looking for when they're making multi-cam support. GPU rendering, right? So we have the ability to offload to our, our yes. GPUs. The nested timelines, as you talked about, uh, all of these features are, yeah, they're more advanced than what you're going to get in your standard video editor that maybe comes with Windows 10 for free or Apple for free. But they're the things that people are looking for when they go to the Adobe Premiere level, they go to the Final Cut Pro level, and they're things that you all have a clear timeline on and you're working towards, which to me is just, it's awesome to hear that you're keeping up with the level of professionalism that goes into software, they charge thousands of dollars for licenses for it. It's, it's amazing, actually, to see uh, it. I want to say something about that. The, the fact was actually my main contribution, the fact that I have, I'm obliged to study other software because as I work in an environment, so I always face different. So I, I found different solution in front of me. And I know what in the real job, when you make big projects, you need for real, because sometimes you really need. Exists two problems to me in the open source community that a bunch of people ignore the other software. So the proprietary software, actually they have to study as you, you told me about in, in Kidian Live, this is my really, it's my real job to suggest, well, sorry, this, this. <laughs> right. And then also to, um, for example, um, 
there are some stuff, for example, you, you quote the GPU. The GPU, in terms of, of uh, the use of GPU in the video editing system, is not so advanced, not even in proprietary software. So it's complicated because it's starting from the past, for example, I'm speaking about also in SD resolution, where some effects, some specific stuff that maybe use uh, a graphic accelerator to be in real time, but not all the software. It's never been that, not even today. So uh, maybe GPU is more used today for rendering out the output or maybe to render mm -hmm. in the preview, but just some effects, for example, work this way, not all the effects. So um, a lot of people, for example, expect, they complain about um, Kdin Lab, that you don't do that, but not even other software do that actually, because right. we're still in progress, the technology. So we ask us what we can do, and maybe we can even overpass the technology that exists in proprietary software. I don't know that, but uh, not even entering a, in, a, in a zone where might because ah you are not able to do that so you are doing, oh, not a good software world is not actually not even available nowhere the same feature you're asking for so it's uh, that's actually interesting because you, you know when Ryan was talking about the whole feature complete thing it, it made me uh, laugh about the fact that whenever I hear a project say that they think the the project is feature complete like you can always improve something. <laughs> So yeah. anytime I hear that, it just kind of disappoints me. It's like, ah, oh, okay. And Kid in Live's case, and, and specifically, I want to talk about like the, the latest release of 2104. You mentioned it earlier. And let's just talk about some features that were 2104 because there's a lot of cool stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about it when, it when it first came out on the show, and I mentioned my favorite features. What are your favorite features of 2104? The, the Bosk integration, mostly the automatic subtitle creation, is not something that everybody uses every day, but it's something that actually it's interesting tool it's a very saving time mostly for the because people talking about the timing of the subtitle is pretty precise and the fact that you can edit uh nice feature text uh, you can edit just the text to have the final uh, interview i think that's such a cool feature you uh, included yeah. in there uh, that is so amazing. cool I took the inspiration from Adobe Premiere, actually. <laughs> That's fine, because you all were able to do it. If we I can play with it. Cool. Yes. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm stealing ideas all the time, watching other software, actually. I try to do, do better with Farid, too. There's a great book out there called Steal Like an Artist, and that's what it's all about, that every technology, everything that people are creating has been stolen or started from a foundation somewhere else, and it's completely fine. And it's exactly what you should do to move it's, technology forward. It's called inspiration. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so we we take inspiration from our software. So, uh, what is you you told me before about the fact that it's over, it's complete. Nothing's complete because also the I call it the competitor, but they're not competitor. The proprietary software production. They always try to evolve. Maybe Avid not too much because was the leader mm -hmm. of the market. Uh, for a long time, is but they try to mostly in certain AI, like we did with the, the speech to text. Mostly, it's something. So they are moving anyway. So it's never ending the process of uh, the technology move forward. So maybe you can integrate interesting stuff. I would like to, in the time, to reach all the tools we we need. That is pretty complicated in love, but even to improve the quality of the way you use it. So make it easier, make it faster, so more productive the program overall. Now today you can do almost everything already, but uh, do it better. It's, uh, it's it's better. So what I can say. Yeah, I think so. Twenty one dot oh four the effect zones. 
were definitely some of my favorite improvements there. And then just the addition, the ease of adding effects in. But I'll tell you too, when Caden Live, when I started this this a while ago, had kind of a reputation for you might be in the middle of video editing and things would kind of crash. And I see that people talking about that today, but I haven't had that happen in so long. So I only want to mention it because of the fact that you all have done so much work in the stability of Caden Live in these recent releases to the point where I can't remember the last time I'm talking years here and I do videos constantly that I had an issue where Caden Live would crash or I, even if it did that I wasn't able to recover, which is huge because obviously if you're in the middle of hundreds of edits and something breaks and you lose your project, that's a major problem. You all have done a lot of work in stability, and I kind of want to highlight that for a moment. Can you can you talk about some of? Yeah, of course, that? of course. We 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 pass through phases. We have, of course, to thanks uh, Jean Baptiste as usual first uh, in terms of writing the timeline. Also, Nicolas Carioni entering the team that is not anymore part of the core team, and, but was very important in his job. And uh, I don't want to forget anybody, so I stopped the list. Even if go offended, but um, the fact was that when uh, we start the job, when I really I enter in the game with a list of big suggestions, and I finished to edit the big uh, document I told you about in uh, early 2015. When you start to to implement some new features we found a bunch of problems. The code was really messed up because uh, after 15 years of overlaying code uh, by, by moving in platform, et cetera, was, was very, very messed up. And that's make very difficult to fix up the program. When we started refactoring of the timeline in 2015, that actually finished in 2016, we start. After one year, we tried to move with that, that timeline to try to improve, but it was not possible. And we finish, we say one year is three years was. So we finish in 2019. After we insert the new timeline, things change completely. After we right. finish to insert the new timeline and then we refine, we reset mm -hmm. everything because there was a one year of, uh, you know, resetting everything. After this moment, the program totally changed. Change and now it's possible to make uh, to make correction to fix it. Now you, you know that it, now we are boosting the performance all the time. We try to reduce the, the demand of the system on the system uh, to make it faster, smoother. We still have some problem, but now is uh, is uh, is increasing the, the stability and uh, and the performance. of The program is visibly a lot better than before. I know I don't feel that is uh, inferior to other big, important uh, proprietary software So at this point. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of great yeah. stuff in the, the latest versions. And I think that the, the, the refractoring was a huge step forward. And it's been like the stability is also a fantastic piece of that refractoring. But there was also something that was added that I like accidentally found and it was amazing. So there's there's an auto recovery system built into it just in case something goes wrong. And uh, is, if there's a, a crash, like I've had a few crashes here and there, but every time I load the Kaden Live back up, it says, do you like to recover? Like, well, yes, I would like to recover. And then all the stuff comes back and that's just <laughs> awesome. And I, I think that that's another factor of the, the stuff that we don't necessarily look at until it's necessary. And then to see that Kaden Live has already taken advantage of creating that process is just an amazing thing to see. 
But yeah. I must say, I, I make you laugh probably because I must say that this is a legacy actually when the program was crashing so much. Jean-Baptiste <laughs> <laughs> created this, uh, this uh, system of recovery that in the time it was even improved, but it was very important at the time. Maybe today is not so important, but anyway, it's funny how we overlook it in other programs because there are times where I still play with computers, friends, Adobe, Adobe Premiere, or I have Lightworks that I play with, and these programs crash. And mm -hmm. it, it happens. But when it happens uh, in an open source project, sometimes it feels like we have a different level of expectation when it happens with something that's free and open source than we do with a thousand dollar program. Cause we're like, it's a thousand dollar program. It must be my machine, not the program. Cause I paid a thousand dollars for the program. Whereas with Caden live, it's kind of like there, there was no mercy almost with the, the issues. Now there was a time period where uh, I think a lot of people probably um, were having un, uh, too many crashes and things, but that is long gone. I would say today, Caden Live and you utilizing it, there is no difference in the amount or experience you may have from a crash that you would in Adobe Premiere or Final Cut Pro or any of these other programs out there. And the auto recovery that may that existed probably because of the time period where Caden Live was having some issues is the same technology that you see in those programs because they know their programs crash too, where it just <laughs> auto recovers. And as long as that auto recover works, I'm not mad. Like I just reopen the program, click yeah. yes, auto recover, and I'm back in business. Now that stops yeah. working, then I'm mad. But uh, otherwise, like, you yeah. trigger you trigger me in the my <laughs> resentment against uh, the, the 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 proprietary software because actually I have a long experience with uh, with the software. I start to to edit professionally in late nineties. So we're <laughs> speaking about uh, yeah. of another age. So yes. <laughs> Adobe Premiere was always a mess. It never fit any machine. You have to buy to change pieces to, to, to make machine perfectly fit on Premiere. You have a bunch of, of problems. If you check the list of issues that they propose and the, the, the trick to fix up your machine was long. You never finish a bunch of you know patches, patches, patches. Mm -hmm. Fix yep. it up was always, if, and you, your machine never was very stable. If you make timeline longer than enough, you know it was. You have to buy matrox and this and those, and you always have problems. Yep. and everything mm -hmm. costs a bunch. Yes. If you want to use Avid, you have to buy Avid machine. So dedicated machine, not even to connect to the internet. It has to be stable, not updates, you know, like a refrigerator, like a freezer. You buy it and that's it. And don't touch it. Right. So yeah. we, we, we complain, but actually, if you buy, you pay, you don't have not to complain because if it's something goes wrong, means that has to be <laughs> to be that way in, the, in right. people's mind. But it's your problem, right? If it's free, there. no, it, it's 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 because it's free, it's cheap stuff. Because it's free, so it yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's amazing how the, the weird cognitive problem that we have with like we're paying for something and are more lenient to the thing we're paying for than the thing that's free. <laughs> like what? Yeah. Yeah, Miss Simo, I wanted to let you know I also do um, I've also worked in Hollywood and do uh, have done film editings, work, worked in uh, television, uh, visual effects. And I what one of the fe new features I was really impressed with in the 2104 release is your finer grain of controls in the effects keyframe panel. That's huge uh -huh. to be able to duplicate 
uh, frames and move a selected keyframe to cursor and move multiple keyframes at once. All the proprietary software do that function, including Blender, including you know Adobe uh, Premiere and After Effects. So that that really brings it up to the professional world. It, it's it's wow. huge. Oh yeah, I'm very glad that you appreciate that. Anyway, we try to improve what mm-hmm. we have already. So. So how does Caden Live prioritize the features they're going to focus on next? Okay, okay, mm-hmm. that it's come from. Okay, we have this. Uh, this uh, the first step was to find what uh, was important in the other software was missing in, in Caden Live, and that was my main task at the beginning, writing the guide about the difference between Caden Live, Avid Premiere, and Final Cut Pro Seven. I wrote a big document still around in, on the internet, uh, quoting the difference, what is missing, what is not. And when we, after uh, people was informed what was possible, was very basic, not, not everything, but the most important feature. For the first sprint for the refactoring, so I guess was 2016, we defined the roadmap we still following. That is based on that document partially. After that, uh, we... Uh, in the work in progress of the, the, the program, we find what is uh, what is prioritized because maybe if you do that, you can open the door, the gate to another stuff that is uh, important too. So the work in progress, so what you need now to go forward next, uh, what the input of people, because maybe someone has uh, urgency, something is easy. So like uh, Matt, you said before, no, I, I asked this stuff and uh, the day after <laughs> was already... And because it was easy to do, what well, makes sense? So it. Uh, Let me not? request though that you never prioritize Michael's request again, please. What? No, no, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Actually, actually uh, in a recent meeting, uh, after my I, I spoke with Michael on, on we chat on Telegram about the focus in the window, and uh, I quote it and say, "By someone uh, open an issue on the invent uh, KD, say yes, Michael. Okay, so he's now he's in the list." We'll do it soon. And so absolutely, when the idea are good, they enter in the list, of course. <laughs> Fantastic. We, we have main main feature like Nested Thailand, for example, stuff like that. And then we have also space for simpler or uh, easier tasks. So we try to um, open to suggestions that make sense that are not in conflict. With the, because some people enter with suggestions that they don't take in consideration of all what happened in the time. Maybe you have this feature that is containing another feature, but when you reach the end of this path, you have it. But it can be a, a web or stepping stones, uh, what you're saying, of development that they want this end feature, but to get there, you all have to build these intermittent uh, features before uh, it's implemented. Uh, yeah, exactly. For example, someone has uh, someone say, "Well, we don't make a simple uh, control X, control uh, V." So it depends. Control X, control V depend. It's on the, which tracks you use, uh, or where you enter it. You use the like a three D editing point. You use the the rate zone. You don't use the zone which is the target. Mm-hmm. So it's not. So, why, why don't make it simple? Simple means that it depends what you have to do. So I make a list yeah. of possible options when you work that become probably uh, 20 different uh, situations. So it's don't don't care. You need this now in your mind, but not everybody needs what you need now that is related to what you imagine that moment. You have to be a little bored. This could be an interesting op- idea, but it's something more complex than you imagine. Sure. So, mm-hmm. so 
So you need within the discussion also to decide which is the interaction, uh, the user friendly, how much make it friendly for the user. So right, and also Masma, I just want to just uh, thank you for pointing out to Ryan that my ideas are good. So uh, <laughs> I don't think that's where we landed. So uh, Ryan, shush. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> As the project moves forward, um, obviously uh, you, you guys want to grow and, and are growing and doing those things. So as people listen to this and they say to themselves, I'm at that point where I want to get involved with an open source project. And I too want to contribute to, to, uh, to helping people being able to create videos and stuff like that. How can people get involved with the pro project and what kind of help is needed? And then as a follow up to that, Tell me a little bit about the Caden Live uh, Video Cafe. <laughs> oh, okay, no, because I, I want to. Uh, I mean, it's more friendly. As I told you, for example, in the story, I know that we, we have a audio broken. And I, I, I really I was monitoring all this over, over a software project. Then I saw Caden Live. There is picture of people. I invite these people that meet. They do this stuff. So it's possible to participate. Today I'm here. So I just. Uh, wanted <laughs> i propose what i was able to do there was a space for me in that sense and so now i'm here today so it's possible there is a different needs on any level on any level of skill uh, of desire about uh, the cafe was very interesting because for the first time we opened this cafe in a situation like uh, we use uh, the big blue button so it's like zoom is like a video conferencing tool uh, people that want to shop their own face can shop their own face. People that don't want to shop their own face can stay hiding <laughs> and just use the voice or just the chat. As before, we use the, we have this method of the chat. It was very uh, nice, actually, to And people can participate because, uh, as I told you, what I found in the in Kidding Lab was that the, there is an open debate and people sometimes, there is also mm -hmm. some argue and some fight, but... Overall, that means that uh, it's a dynamic project. The people have passion for it, and that is not at all a bad stuff. So it's better this than a person that go by himself, and if he's uh, stop the project, the project dies. How people can participate? Can participate, of course, uh, by uh, just using it, testing it, and uh, post, uh, yeah, I have this issue, what I can do? Participate on the chat, on Telegram, use all the... the <laughs> The system communication we have or just there is for example people that participate to create uh, the, the manual for example i don't know anything about the manual you can for example screenshot part of the program we need images you can uh, uh, translate if you in your language you can uh, uh, suggest the uh, idea that you come your mind in terms of feature. You can participate even with donation now today in live by KD is the, doing that for us. And, and uh, but also just follow what happened uh, uh, day by day and testing is already great stuff. But anyway, entering content and even ask help. If you show up yourself and ask help <laughs> in, in the chat and you, we know that you exist and you can participate, that's already something. It's that a really interesting awesome. point because ultimately what you're saying is just get involved. Get involved in the conversations in Telegram. Get involved mm -hmm. in submitting bugs or issues that you're interested in seeing. And of course, don't start the issue with, uh, I hate everything and uh, I'm so angry and blah, 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 but more of, hey, I'm having this problem. Can somebody help me fix it would be a good advice. Um, but, yeah. you know, just get involved and be there and now participate in the right. conversations and talk. <laughs> and, uh, Michael, there's a rumor that 
you showed up to the latest video cafe, which proves that they'll literally <laughs> let anyone in wow. to the cafe <laughs> if Michael's allowed. So what was it like for you, Michael, when you were there at the video cafe? Well, it was interesting because I saw that they made, made a tweet and I just like, was, uh, yes, I will definitely be there. And when I realized like anybody can join to just have a conversation, it's like, oh, I'm in for sure. <laughs> and uh, so we had we had a great conversation. I think it was like two hours long, or maybe even longer than that. And it was two just, hours now. Yes, yeah. It was about like what what how Caden Live worked, and like the, the, the people had suggestions and that sort of stuff. And I did provide some uh, ideas that I had because I was like prefacing everything as like these are things that I was like would you wish was in Caden Live and make it easier for me to do the things that I am already doing and just kind of streamline stuff. And the thing, one of the things that I requested, I thought would be very complicated to remove spaces, but also make all of your guides move along with the clips. And I just like that, that's going to be a lot of work and everything. And then the next day, here's a, here's a link to the the daily build for the thing. I just did that. You just like, what a day. Well, it, it just blew my mind. So like the cafe was, was mm -hmm. a fantastic experience and just having a conversation with everybody who works in Canaan life, but also to see like the responsiveness of the project is is another reason why I think it's one of the best we use projects this in, available. In, yeah, we use this in business all the time. I tell people it's called planting seeds. You're not going to go to every video cafe and get the features you want the next day. Obviously, that was an exception. But planting seeds is if you have specific ideas of how Caden Live could compete or be better, and you mention those and you're getting that in the developers' heads that those are possibilities or things that the community is interested in, then later down the road, those things get implemented. It may not grow right away, but you planted the seed and it may come in a oh, yeah. future release down the road. And I think that's an important part of getting involved in these projects is just being a part of their community. At first you can lurk and then you can get involved and actually start talking and sharing your thoughts and opinions. So what's coming in the future versions of Caden Live that you're excited about and we can get excited about that's in the roadmap today? Okay. I, I have to say that uh, I sometimes I see the future not because I'm not saying I'm psychic, but because uh, I have the ch chance to compile the test version that actually is available for uh, everybody. If you're able to compile a program and you stay tuned on the KD on the GitLab, Kdn Lab GitLab, that is a KD event uh, invent. You can have a, you you can download every day. You can check what happened, what is insert, different branches. You can compile test stuff, so it's possible to stay update in real time, participate really to test what is really not in in the final release. So it's very interesting. It's uh, in that sense. Uh, what we are working on, I already watched when you a clip you scroll on the clip and you don't move the, the the length of the clip but you move the frame inside like you unwrap and wrap the the frame inside the same so you don't move the segment of your clip inside the section of the time but you can refine the position of the in and out point by moving it oh wow it is very useful nice. for example oh, when wow. When you make documentaries or make you make video music videos and you have a perfect timing, for example, documentary maybe on the voiceover or in the music, the music, of course, and you have to refine because it is offset maybe the movement of something you want to have a better breathe in terms of motion, you just refine trimming. So I, I already have the, the opportunity to see this uh, start working. We are working on on uh, on the interface but i i guess that it will be postponed to the 2112 
this one because the, the, the trim in advance and trimming tool will be after the summer. For the summer, I know that Giambattista is uh, going to begin to work on the nested timeline the next week. So I'm nice. very curious to see what awesome. happened. So <laughs> you can stay tuned. I told you where to go and watch and check if you're able to compile. It's not very difficult, actually. Uh, so you can test it and uh, we see what happened. We discuss what happened with the discussion that will be public. Uh, the most important thing about the participation is that, that uh, being there, being there <laughs> to speak. So feel that you're part of a movement is moving and uh, someone that is uh, really, really take care of what we are doing. Just uh, instead of, uh, for example, as uh, Ryan said before, that people make videos against us like we are an enemy because they propose another software i don't need a name <laughs> who they are right uh, uh, this is very bad in terms of open source uh, movement the people that share different projects they try to compete i don't understand why instead of being really a community that try to be the best effort to like if uh, we have a different opinion someone has to prevent no we have someone has to prevent we can try to find out which is the best idea or the best matching point that make uh, that made the next step forward not uh, not my idea or yours is not something uh, <laughs> is technology there is a, a reference point you can understand which is the best approach the best option is not impossible so participating is uh, is the key of the the spirit of the open source uh, community <laughs> guys Oh yeah, and absolutely. It's the the philosophy of open source in general. Like that when when I first looked into like started working with Kdn Live years ago, I you know just started using it, and then I when I when when I engaged with the you know asking about like how to do something or suggesting different changes, it just based it, it also invigorated me wanted to continue to use that project because it it knowing that the the project is receptive is a very important aspect to getting people to be participant. And mm. I, you know, and, and then that's one of the things that we wanted to have you on the show uh, to talk about because, you know, letting people know that Caden Live is that kind of project is just, I think is very important. So uh, Massimo, thank you so much for joining us today. And of course, uh, thanks to you and all of the Caden Live team working to create this amazing open source video editor. I use Caden Live every week to edit this show, so I know I can speak for all of us here that Destination Linux, uh, that we've all benefited from the great work done on Caden Live, and we're so thankful for this awesome project. So again, Mazmo, thanks for joining us and taking the time to be here this week. Thank you to you. Thank you to you. Bye. Aww. So this week in the news, I wanted to talk about the Linux kernel 5.13, which has been released the interesting thing that caught my attention in here, yes, there's lots of new GPU improvements, better support for a bunch of different CPUs, graphics cards, storage file systems, all the cool stuff that we love that all the kernel developers out there for adding in. But there were two that caught my attention specifically. One was Apple with their M, Apple didn't do this patch, by the way, which Michael can give us some more information on, but Apple M1 with the Apple Silicon device support is being introduced into this kernel. And now this is the very early stages of support, but essentially, for those that don't know, Apple has their own silicon that they are putting into their MacBooks and we will have support with it in the Linux kernel. So if you accidentally bought one of those devices or somebody gave you one on Christmas. And I like, saw the it, price tag, Brian. Nobody accidentally bought oh, an yeah. Apple M1. Okay, well, you're right. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe a grandparent gifted you one on Christmas and you really didn't want it. Uh, you could still take that operating system off and put a good operating system like Linux on it with this support. 
being in there. And then Microsoft also landed 64-bit ARM Hyper-V guest support in this kernel version. So lots of kernel support. Now, this particular one with Microsoft is this series enables Linux guests running on Hyper-V on ARM64 hardware. So is this kind of the future for Azure and having some ARM support in the server world? Not sure where that's going to go yet, but kind of wanted to open it up to the rest of you to say, ARM, Noah, you have talked in the past that eventually we are going to be sitting in front of terminals that go to a cloud. And that's kind of the future. We're not going to be buying this independent hardware at some point. Is this the kind of bridge in between today and that time period of ARM support going into the kernel at this rate that we're seeing? I think that, yes, we are going to wind up using mobile devices. I think those mobile devices are more likely than not going to be powered by ARM. I think that the vast majority of storage and computing power and services that you're going to consume from those devices will be cloud-based. So I'm going to kind of rephrase uh, sitting at a terminal, but but yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that Microsoft is well aware that that's the direction we're skating. I think Apple's well aware that that's the direction we're skating, that there is a model, and my gosh, did COVID accelerate this beyond all possible right. measures? Yeah. You know, you started at this idea that we give you a corporate issue laptop. I have never seen organizations so fast to be like, Bob has a phone and is willing to install all the apps. Tell Bob he's good to go. Like whatever right. we need to do to get Bob onto a Zoom conference. Well, I thought last month, we sat in a security meeting where you said that the only Citra, no, no, Zoom meeting it is, perfectly fine. We have the subscription. That's what people use these days. I mean, it's crazy. Um, and, and so as I've watched kind of that takeoff, people are not going back to work. The pandemic has shifted the way that people view what is possible or isn't possible remotely. And that has then shifted where those, where all of that IT infrastructure stuff is. So people now say to themselves, here's what I need for to, to earn a living and get my paycheck was, was the whole reason I had a job in the first place. I need uh, access to my bank account so that they can do direct deposit because no, there is no place to pick up a check. That's not a thing. We direct deposit. So that's how the money comes in. I need to be able to make my Zoom meetings and I need to be able to use my calendaring and email and whatever the office thing is, right? And half of those are solved by the fact that half the world has gone to Office 365 and the other half the world has gone to G Suite. And then there's some stuff that's sprinkled in the middle. Uh, and and so as people go in, they say, how do I offload all of that? Because now I don't have corporate IT or I do, but it takes them you know, six hours to get back to me and I can't get to all the things, right? They go into their cell phone store and the cell phone store says, hey, every two years we give you a new one of these things. Look at this. iPad Pro comes built in. Uh, LT connection. You don't have to worry about routing and firewalls and configuration network. It doesn't matter. No, none of it. Just plug it in. We put the SIM card in. Everything's good to go. Just take that walk out the store. Oh, great. Awesome. I come back in every two years. I pay my whatever the money is and that thing gets delivered to me. My hardware's being delivered to me as a service. My, my, uh, my ISP is being delivered to me as a service. All of the services I use for work, they're all being delivered as services. And that's beneficial to the company. It's beneficial to the cell phone companies. It's beneficial beneficial to people who makes the app, beneficial to everybody else except the user because they get less control. Their privacy is the thing is at stake. Uh, and, and all of, from that perspective, this is terrible. That's a really that's long, that's a really long yeah. way to go from, from ARM. But yeah, that, that is absolutely the direction. I think that every Apple and Microsoft and Google and all the places are going. They want, that's where they want it to go. Absolutely. That's where they want yeah. it to go. It's where they're going to make money. It's sustainable. You know, that nobody wants to pay $200 for the new version of windows. They just expect it to roll down in windows updates. So how do you fund that? Azure. Yeah. But let me right. let me ask you, Michael. I asked you this earlier in the week, and I thought it was really interesting. Obviously, Apple's not themselves putting this in the kernel. Microsoft actually is putting their patches in the kernel directly. They're working on it. Apple doesn't. 
right? Somebody did this for Apple. How did this come along? Why is somebody writing stuff for Apple in the kernel? Why are they doing it in terms of like the benefit of having that hardware have support? Uh, I would say that it's likely because that this is the fo- this is the path that Apple is taking, and this is what they're going forward with. And we know that that is a guarantee that they're doing this. And they're also forcing uh, uh, pack, uh, companies to create software for that that hardware. So this is a thing that's happening. And without having support for this hardware, it means that there would be uh, a potential entire market that wouldn't be able to use Linux. So I do think that it is very important that Linux has support for the M1 architecture from Apple. And I also think that because Apple is pushing this forward, there will be some companies that are going to follow along with the ARM focus. Without and, a doubt. Yeah, yeah. and doing mm-hmm. this. So it is important that we have at least the early stages as fast as possible because that means that we have a, a lot... A lot kind of uh, overcome some hurdles when yeah. anybody else implements it. Yeah, Yeah. for example... So for, who did sure. this for Apple then? So this is really interesting because this was done by mm-hmm. a, uh, Hector Martin, who has been a, around for a, many years reporting a, a Linux to a bunch of different devices and that sort of stuff. And uh, this is he created a, like a project called Asahi Linux, which is not necessarily a distro, but at some point they do plan to make one that will be available as a distro. And it's interesting because there's a, a lot of potential for this. But it, you asked a question earlier this week about like, is this even legal to do? And they covered that on their on their website because I was super curious about that too. And they said that as long as there's no code is taken from Mac OS to build the Linux support, the result is completely legal to distribute and for end users to use as it would not be a derivative of anything of Mac OS. Uh, and this is really cool because uh, I think this is definitely important uh, but the, the, a lot of people were wondering, like, how is this even possible? Like, if if Apple is not interested in having support other than macOS, why would this? How would this pop work? And they say that they make it possible to boot unsigned or custom kernels on this uh, M1 or Silicon Mac or whatever they're calling it uh, without doing any jailbreaking. And that is a really important thing. So it's not a hack, and it's and it's not like a you know, a, a jailbreak to make make this work. It's actually something that Apple. It's really put surprising that Apple left that open because they've yeah. been known mm-hmm. to not do that, right? Yeah. They've been known to kind of lock things to the point where you can't boot another OS. But maybe they kind of understand that if we do that here, we might lose a big potential bunch of clientele that want to use Linux on. This. I mean, here's but, the thing: provided that they're the ones that are shipping the firmware, they can make that decision all day at long. At any point they want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let me ask you this: Is there? It, it, it obviously just because the Linux kernel boots doesn't necessarily mean that it's it, that everything's going to be flawless out of the box. It's not like I can go buy a brand new M1 and install Linux on sure. it, right? No, it's it's not. It this is the 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 five point thirteen is going to have the first iteration of support for the M, the M ones uh, booting. It won't have like the you know the best experience, but they have shown that it does uh, technically work, and you can do certain things on it. But it is quite limited. But they are working on it, and they said that, that it's going to be relatively quick in terms of getting a you know a, an average day to day usage of it. It won't be like a full blown super supported thing just when that happens. But this is just a gradual process of having to get support. I'll be interested if if somebody can just tell me when because I'm just refused to play in that playground until somebody can tell me that hey you go buy it you plug the flash drive in you install it and then everything just works like if if that was the case I look at Apple hardware yeah I look at it I think that there's I a buy it use it. You would look at it and then put it back down and then go buy the the Lenovo or the HP Omen or something like that. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. This kernel, particular kernel release is so full of hardware Mm -hmm. enablement 
And this is what I've been kind of preaching for a while. And I love it. I love reading through these notes when most people find them boring. And I, I, I would read them on the show, but nobody else would really probably care. But, you know, the, the Intel support for their latest generation of CPUs coming out is here. The huge AMD graphic boosting technology is in here. And even things that are simple. Apple Magic Mouse 2 support in the kernel. Microsoft Surface devices support in the kernel. Um, different Thunderbolt types of Thunderbolt board. Um, ports, Ethernet controllers, all of these things that we mm -hmm. kind of take for granted that, like Noah said, you can go into a store today, pretty much buy any laptop for the most part that's not Apple, take it home, put a USB stick in it, run Linux on it. It's because of all of this awesome stuff that they're adding into the kernel each time. They rock. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. seeing it. I, I love I every time I look at the thing I do the same thing when I look at the the what's coming up and it sees like all the cool stuff that's being done and with just like the 512 now some distros have 512 some don't but there has been uh, a lot of even just the latest release of the current release anyway the 512 had added support for the uh, Sony PlayStation 5 all controller the game controllers yeah, yeah and Nintendo. that is yeah. awesome and the <laughs> fact that Sony are the ones who put it into the kernel is crazy, awesome. right? Yeah, that was, that is. Yeah. Does that mean Sony's <laughs> going to release all their gaming IPs on Linux only to compete with Microsoft? And then we have all Sony plays. That, that's the future, right? They, they should do uh, that again. Okay. Sony, do that. Do it, Sony. Do it. Do it. Yes. This episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. You can get started right now by going to bitwarden.com slash DLN because Bitwarden is an awesome password manager. It allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. So go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started. And Bitwarden provides these tools that allow you to have a passwords in a secured vault to store them, uh, auto-generate those passwords for you, and even automatically fill in those passwords on login forms so you don't have to do it. And in addition to the auto-generation of passwords, you can auto-generate passphrases, which are awesome because it makes it, makes it possible for you to have a very complicated password, but remember it because that is very valuable in some cases. You know, if you want to type it in, you don't have to type in this like, okay, uh, X percent sign, dollar sign, uh, passphrase. Fantastic that they have data support as well. And you can have access to all of this across multiple different types of devices, your web browsers, your mobile apps, uh, desktop applications, and even on the command line. And Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end -end encryption before it ever leaves your devices, so you know you're the only person with access to your data. So go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started with your account. Did I mention it's a free account you can get started with? So do that. But I also think you want to check out their premium account because there's a lot of extra features you get with it, and it's less than $1 per month. That's right. For just $10 per year, you can get one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, a Bitwarden Authenticator for temporary one-time passwords, priority customer service, Vault Health Reports, which was just awesome because it basically says it'll show you if any of your accounts have been pwned uh, on various different sites and whatnot. Did you just say pwned? I did say pwned. That's what it's called. <laughs> wow. I said pwned. Uh, so go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started with your account. And thanks again to Bitwarden for sponsoring Destination Linux. So this week in our gaming section, have you ever been in a situation where you go to a party, you didn't really want to go there and they're like, hey, you playing this latest game that everybody's talking about? I got it here on my Nintendo Switch and you probably can't play it on your Linux box. You probably haven't had that experience because none of your friends don't run Linux. But let's pretend you did have that experience <laughs> and you did have friends that didn't have Linux and they were doing that. One of those games they might be talking about is called Hunt Down. And because this is a very popular game out there on other platforms that you could play other platforms nintendo switch it's out there 10 out of 10 xbox it's out there 10 out of 10 
But guess what? It's now on Linux officially. So you can play Hunt Down. You don't have to use Proton for it. It's native there. You can download Hunt Down and start playing this awesome side scroller. And the storyline in the mayhem filled streets of the future where criminal gangs rule and cops fear to tread, only the bounty hunters can free the city from the corrupt fist of felony. <laughs> lay waste in the criminal underworld and make a killing in this hard-boiled action comedy arcade shooter kick-butt co-op from near and far action-packed arcade game and you can play as one of three of the legendary bounty hunters out there and it's discounted on steam up to 20 percent right now so if you want to take part in this awesome game here that just came available to linux go check out hunt down Awesome. I actually do. I am a big fan of like this uh, platformer beat 'em up style games. Yeah. And when I saw the co-op, was there like, oh, thank you, because this is one of the best things about those kinds of games is when they have co-op. So that is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. This was out there on a bunch of different platforms, and people love this game. And I'm so happy we have it on Linux now. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to playing Anaconda. <laughs> She's the, <laughs> the bounty hunter. <laughs> Let's read Anaconda uh, storyline to see if this fits Jill. An ex-commando, okay, definitely. Firearms expert, yeah, sure. Full-time loose cannon, definitely describes Jill. Full-time loose cannon. Anna will assassinate without question or mercy, definitely fits Jill. Uh, as long as you don't mind the collateral damage. So yeah, I, Anaconda is definitely the bounty hunter for you, Jill, because all of those things are definitely how we would describe you. For sure. Oh, for no. sure. Jill is so, so savage. So savage. Well, the, the really cool thing also about this game is it's published by Coffee Stain, who brought you some of my favorite games, like a story about my uncle, Sanctum oh, really? 2, and Goat Simulator. Nice. So, you know, they, they have a tendency to have the really uh, uh, fun games of lots of humor in them. Goat <laughs> really cool. I, I've, yeah. I, I've never Who actually called? played a, a story about my uncle. That's a really fun game. Oh, yeah, it is. And and Goat Simulator. Oh, oh, you could put the, the your goat on uh, on NCC-1701D. <laughs> <laughs> of course you can. Also, it's like, I saw it's like, what is it? Why would I want to play a goat simulator? That seems ridiculous. And you're like, the first, like one of the first few seconds of the trailer is like, jetpacks on a goat. I'm yeah. Like, okay. It well, was, that was one of the very first games available for Linux on Steam. So. <laughs> yeah. I cool. did not know that. Wow. <laughs> That's interesting. Like, hey, Windows users, we got goat simulator. Sup. <laughs> Sup. <laughs> we also have yeah. Hunt Down. So check it out in the, yes. in the yeah. show notes. And also, we what we have for you is a software spotlight, and we're going to talk about KDE Connect because, in honor of having a KDE Project Caden Live on the show for an interview, we want to talk about something that I think is it's it's kind of odd that we never talked about it before on like a I know how did we never talk right? about this and all this, this stuff? <laughs> yeah, when I looked at it, I was like, "There's of course this is on here," but apparently no. But so KDE Connect is a project that allows you to connect your devices so that they can communicate with each other. Now it, it works with different operating systems. It's, it's a, if you have uh, Selfish OS, Android, or Plasma Mobile, this will work for you. And this is really cool. Uh, so 
This allows you to connect your laptops, your desktops with your phone and do all sorts of stuff. Like you can get your notifications from your phone on your desktop so you can actually just look at all, you know, but you don't have to pick up your, your device to look at your notifications. It'll all interconnect with your, your desktop, which is awesome. Also, you can transfer files back and forth. So of course you can send files directly from like, you know, uh, the share menu and that sort of stuff. But you can also mount your phone's file system into your file manager on your desktop. And that is just an awesome feature. Yeah. And uh, if, let's say, for example, you want to do some remote control devices, well, you can remotely control your music. You can rem have a presentation remote with it. You can also turn your touchscreen of your phone into a virtual trackpad for your mouse on your computer. Really, really cool. So many great things. You can even use it to, like, you know, find my phone kind of thing. That's really nice, too. And there's even customizable commands that you can run. So you can create your own commands stored in your desktop and then run it through. So you can basically, like, activate something uh, on your phone, which will then send a command to your computer to do whatever. So many different options. Like, there's so many great things you can do Great way to mess with, with people at the office. Yeah. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we don't, uh, allegedly... So there's lots of there's lots of different uh, things you could do with KD Connect. It is a fantastic uh, piece of software, and thanks to KDE for making such an awesome project. Yes, our tip of the week pertains to editing videos in KD Live, and that is the acquisition format. You probably don't think about that; you just think about the editing. Here's why you should: in OBS, um, there's a number of different things you could record. You could record, obviously, connect a camera and record a source that way. You could capture your screen and 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 capture the source that way. But the inside of OBS, you'll want to save that video file and choose the format that you're saving it in. And so the video file you want to be using, a lot of people think about using MP4 or MKV. I think that is the default in OBS still FLV? I think it is still FLV. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You'll want to change it to MKV. Here's why. Unlike MKV, MP4 and, and, and MOV, for example, require a finalization step on the file, including writing some codecs and some other bits. And so if something happens during the recording, like you get a sudden loss of power or your stool falls into your recording equipment and shuts it off, then you're sure. going to lose that project entirely. So OBS will save you from that and they'll provide a warning if you try to switch out of one of these formats that that requires a, 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 a finalization step. Well, MKV doesn't and it doesn't require that final step and so therefore it's a much safer file to use. Also, unlike FOV, which, which also doesn't require a finalization step, MKV supports multiple audio tracks. Mm -hmm. And so if you wanted to record um, your show and then have Michael's comment on a different track, that would be a possibility for As you. As one would want. So next time you want to do some live video, see, it would have been nice to have that on a separate track. Next time <laughs> you want some live video recording, then make sure to check out OBS or whatever tool you're using and make sure that that uses MKV. Although I would tell you, after using OBS, all, it, OBS once, I started to use it just for doing live streaming, but then after a while, it got to a point where I was like, well, it's available in the repos and it works on for basically everything. So a lot of the things I used to use like Kazam and stuff for now, I just use the OBS for everything. Same. Same. One tool to rule them all. Indeed. Well, a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening. However you do it, we love your faces. And if you want more DL, well, you need to become a patron like all these amazing people here with us right now behind the scenes in our virtual 94,000 square foot stadium. It sounds like that it's getting bigger every week. I know. The skybox is being remodeled. Yeah, we're remodeling it right <laughs> now. Naturally, naturally. I got the corner suite. And you get VIP access to events and live recordings <laughs> of Destination Linux every Sunday, except you get the behind the behind the scenes. See, everybody's watching on YouTube and Twitch and those things now, but 
patrons. They're behind behind the scenes. They even have their own little comment section where they can write to us during the show and make fun of Michael. It's amazing. It gets Michael's <laughs> you attention can do, far you can do more. All, all sorts of stuff, not necessarily make fun of Michael. You can make fun of Ryan. There's tons Mostly of Mostly make fun of Michael, let's be <laughs> honest. And you can do all that by becoming a patron on Patreon or sponsors. Your choice. And you can also hang out for the patron-only after show. In addition, every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we're now live at DLNlive.com. The best part, everyone is invited to watch the recording of Destination Live each and every week. We can't wait to see you in the chat. And also go right now to DLNstore.com and pick up some swag. We have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, aprons, all sorts of great stuff. And also uh, the canvas bags is available too and and all sorts of stuff. There's tons of things that you can check out at dealinstore.com, including the water bottle that that, uh, Jill is showing. And by the way, that is a fantastic thing. The... People don't understand how important water is to life. And pe- and they, they, they typically sometimes say, like, a oh, bubbly is a great drug. Water <laughs> is what people should be using. Bubbly is it, water. But, uh, it's uh, next uh, to strawberries. But sparkling <laughs> is, is not real water. Anyway, go to dealinstore.com to check out all the great stuff that you can get there. And we have so many amazing shows here on the Destination Linux Network. We have the Pseudo Show, the Ask Noah Show, This Week in Linux, the DOS Geek Channel, DLN Extend, Hardware Addicts, and get your game on with our latest show, GameSphere. So go to destinationlinux.network and subscribe to all these shows to keep those penguins marching in full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. And remember, this Wednesday, May 19th, DLN Extend will be doing a live show. So make sure to come into chat for that. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. And also, everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as a destination. Noah. Oh, Noah. Squeak. <laughs> Man, I really am off today. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, that's I not really a requirement. Body? It's just a me requirement, but I love hearing it. <laughs> Have I ever like, missed it? I've never missed it. No, no, I'm no. slipping today. Yeah. Just I'm slipping, sorry, slipping. We'll fix I'm it next sorry. week. <laughs> All right, patrons, everyone, turn on your cameras, turn on your mics. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Yeah, right. I just love the pink. It's beautiful. Look at that. That is so cool. I, I need to know, Jill. You got all the dusky. We'll stuff. fix it in post. Jill, did you buy everything off the store? Uh, pretty much. I have another <laughs> batch coming in a couple of weeks. I love like, Jill. Every time they mention something about the store, you're like, <laughs> I have it. I have it. <laughs> <laughs> Aprons here, bags here, water bottles. <laughs>